1: We pay our respect to the elders of all of the lands on which we meet across
0: Australia.
2: Hi and welcome to Freedom of Species, where a show that brings animal advocacy to the airwaves of 3CR Community Radio. Before us, you heard Out of the Pan with Sally. uh, And that is a show that covers all issues affecting the rainbow community. Uh, And yeah, Sally's show does a really great job at connecting with people, uh, connecting with people within rainbow communities. And we'd like to do the same on our show uh, in terms of connecting with the animal activist community. So... Uh, with that in mind, uh, we've recently put together a survey that Freedom of Species listeners can contribute to in terms of what you'd like to hear on the show and lots more as well. Uh, and we'll put a link to that in the show notes at 3cr.org.au forward slash Freedom of Species um, and we'll also, or whatever app you're listening to, you'll be able to find that in the notes. And we'll also, you can also find that via our social media pages as well. On the show today, I am joined by Harley MacDonald-Eccasol, Eckersall, is a regular Freedom of Species contributor and is also active with Animal Rebellion over in the UK. Welcome to the show once again, Harley. Thank you for
1: having me. Always yeah. a
2: joy. And I am Nick Pendergrass hosting today, and I'm what we're going to discuss with Harley today is something that came up on a show a few weeks back. Uh, the show was titled, One in Three People Support Plant-Based Diets, Progress for the Vegan Movement. Uh, that show was from the 4th of April, 2021. Uh, and on that show, we were talking a little bit about... Um, yeah, I guess this idea of there being quite broad support for veganism philosophically um, and I guess for plant-based diets and plant-based food systems uh, generally, um, but only quite a small proportion of people actually sort of um, put that into practice in their, in their own lives through individual veganism and, and sort of, yeah, where does that leave us as a vegan movement or as an animal activist movement generally? Uh, and there was something which which I raised which I had misread, which I thought was uh extinction rebellion's policy, but it was actually uh animal rebellion's policy around um yeah not mandating individual veganism um and instead focusing on i guess i I mean, I, I don't want to speak for uh, Harley, I don't know we're but I, I would imagine sort of drawing on that broad level of support for a plant-based food system rather than narrowing it down to the much smaller proportion of people who are actually uh, vegan on the individual level. Um, but yeah i wanted to use that as a chance to get harley's perspective of this from someone who's involved in animal rebellion but also as part of a broader discussion about where we're going as a movement the role of individual veganism and also the role of other tactics within the movement as well um so i'll hand over to harley in terms of um yeah sort of explaining this policy and i guess where animal rebellion uh is coming from generally when it comes to issues around individual veganism yeah
1: absolutely um I guess to start off on that topic, I might give a bit of a background of where Animal Rebellion came from and then also maybe where I came from for those who don't know me. Um, So Animal Rebellion was formed back in June of 2019. This was before I was involved, but essentially it was formed from a few people who'd been involved with Extinction Rebellion um, during the April Rebellion, which, um, as some people might know, was kind of one of the first like really big uprising for Extinction Rebellion. It was when they first like really made like international headlines. Um, and it was at the end of the April Rebellion that the UK government declared a climate emergency. Um, so out of that kind of energy, there was a few people within XR who were also kind of organizers around animal justice. And what they noticed was that although kind of like when Extinction Rebellion started, at its core, there was kind of like a philosophy about, yeah, not eating animals for environmental movement. There was a lot of kind of um, vegetarianism and veganism. There still wasn't that core of kind of, you know, putting animals first and talking about animal agriculture as being such a leading cause of the climate crisis. So if you look at, you know, most of the major environmental groups these days, um, you know Greenpeace, Extinction Rebellion um, and many others, They, while they may talk about how or they may like personally act for not eating animals um, or talk about, yeah, kind of if, if they're kind of pressured or asked, they'll talk about how, yeah, it's better to avoid eating animals for environmental reasons. They don't take a stance on animal agriculture and they don't kind of target it or talk about it as one of the leading causes of the climate crisis. So kind of in light of that and under that kind of like cloud of just this whole massive topic not being touched when talking about the climate and addressing the climate crisis, a couple of people who were involved with XR and also involved with Animal Justice decided to form a group um, which was originally just going to be kind of a group which was kind of like, I guess, a an interest group, um, a community group where people who were vegan or vegetarian in XR could kind of come together and maybe do some stuff together. Um, and that was kind of the original idea. And then what instead happened was um, a very, yeah, a very small group of people just identified that there was this massive gap that wasn't being talked about in Extinction Rebellion, which was the animal emergency, the, you know, animal industries, and that kind of not only the destruction that they caused, but also, like the individual animals who are being oppressed and exploited. So they formed animal rebellion, um, and animal rebellion was formed with the same demands as XR. Um, so tell the truth, act now and beyond politics. Um, but they were shifted to demand that tell the truth was about the government and media telling the truth that animal agriculture, animal farming and fishing was a leading cause of the climate emergency and acting now by pledging to transition to a just sustainable plant-based food system. So, and as well as that, we added a bit to XR's current principles and values. So the first principle of XR is that, you know, I I forget what it is exactly, but so we have a shared vision of change um, and that was shifted to, we are an anti-speciesist movement with a shared vision of change um, for animal rebellion. So that's kind of like the roots of Animal Rebellion. It really was formed alongside and in partnership with Extinction Rebellion. So it kind of has the same vision of seeing system change, seeing the government take action. And it was also formed with the acknowledgement that even when you look in the environmental movement, even though you see that there's a lot of people taking personal action by changing their diets, um, you know, by being freegan, which I know we've talked about on the show, Nick, or just being vegan in general, um, or buying plant-based food, there wasn't that systemic kind of acknowledgement of the massive, massive contributor animal agriculture was or is to the climate crisis. So I guess like that kind of provides maybe a bit of context of the, the way animal rebellion formed. So I guess like when we're thinking about this question of like, Individual change versus system change. I think like it's just inevitable that they come like hand in hand. Like you can't really have one or you can't talk about one without talking about the other. Um, and I guess like from my perspective and my background, when I got involved with animal justice um, almost like five years ago and uh, now, which feels long for me, it isn't that long in contact, uh, context or compared to many other people, um, but. I remember that there really was like a massive focus and almost like monopoly on the kind of animal justice scene of vegan outreach and individual change, um, which of course is extremely important and like a really valuable thing and also just a great way to get people into the movement. Um, I know that like when I went vegan and I wanted to do something, there was so much availability of being able to join a group and feel like you're really taking action and feel like, you know, you have these really positive conversations and you see direct change because of the words you've spoken, because of your outreach and your actions. But I remember there being, I guess, a lack of groups who were taking the kind of action that we were seeing in the environmental movement. But of course, in the environmental movement, we do see things like, you know, encouraging people to stop using plastic, like the zero waste movement um we see you know trying to get people to switch from you know like personally like to using you know high carbon kind of things in their life to like switching to alternatives um you know electric cars etc like things like that which are based on personal change but that's not all we see that's not the only form of activism we also see people who are take, doing the work to try and shut down you know fossil fuel industries trying to remove subsidies fossil fuels from different places Um, so there's all this systemic work that's going on alongside so i think like in my head that's where i see animal rebellion fitting in it's trying to do that systemic work and it's also based on a model of yeah like mass 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 movement so trying to bring in um more and more people um, and that's really hard to do when you set kind of the standards so high that people have to be a certain way before they join. Um, And with that said, like, I think about 90% of the people in Animal Rebellion are vegan. um, And also because of our first principle, you know, we are an anti-speciesist movement, everything that we do has that at its heart and has that in its mind. And everything we do is avoiding the exploitation of animals. Um, And, yeah, I think it's... think there's a lot of things to think about um in that little bit of a ramble from me but yeah i guess that's maybe a little bit of context about animal rebellion and where it comes from and the way we approach this topic
2: yeah and thanks for giving that background as well because i'm uh yeah, quite familiar with Animal Rebellion from um, Harley and others that are on the show from Animal Rebellion. Um, but listeners might be not so much. For newer listeners, may not have heard about that stuff, or at least not heard about it for quite a while as well. So thanks for giving that that background and context, which I think is really important. And yeah, I think that is a good point about what as what as animal activists we can learn from environmental movements because I think generally the messaging is uh, fairly structural Um, no new fossil fuels these kind of things and then of course you know between rallies etc people are all doing individual things trying to cut back on waste and uh, ride a bike rather than driving a car all these kind of things which are important too Um, but it's sort of uh, I guess, regardless of what people are doing between the rallies, the, the messaging is very much a, a fairly broad and, and not very individual-focused message that, um, yeah, that, that a large number of people can can get behind. And, yeah, I think it really makes sense what Animal Rebellion is doing in, in that context. Um, and, yeah, I think also within the animal movement, I think we we often leave out that sort of piece of the puzzle and, yeah, I've, I've often heard things like, of course, what we want is everyone to go vegan, this very individual focus. And I personally think that should be a goal of the movement rather than the goal of the movement, the, the only goal. Um, and so, yeah, do you want to just elaborate a bit about that in terms of the, um, yeah, that the place of individual veganism within the movement?
1: Yeah. Um, and yeah, I totally agree. Um, that I think it, you know, that's, Obviously, such a goal, like that's such a dream, right? Such a vision of a future where no one directly contributes to the oh, directly or indirectly, sorry, contributes to the exploitation of anyone, um, regardless of species. Um, and I think. For me, that's a vision. And for me, there's many, many different ways to get there. Um, and there's also different things that will shift different people. And, you know, we have the classic kind of, you know, when we think about like outreach and that, we have the classic kind of bell curve scenario of, you know, there's the early adopters and then there's the kind of people who will only start to shift when things start to become more easy and accessible. I think we're seeing that like with things like January. like I I think I remember this in Australia as well, but um in the UK, it's, it's, it's honestly unbelievable how much, of a transformation there is in January, in supermarkets, in restaurants, um, and just seeing the, like, availability of, you know, vegan food, which I think is something that, you know, I don't underestimate how important that is. And I think we do, you know, we kind of create this divide sometimes between, like, oh, that's just, like, food activism, and that's like the real activism, or that's, you know, that's a bad kind of activism, but it's talking about the system, and that's the real activism talking to people. And I think sometimes it creates this conflict between, or what's the best way to make change, or what's the best way to get to the future? And I think, like, for me, it's, they're all so critical and so important. Um, And we've seen this in other movements throughout history, how it's never just one approach that's kind of getting you towards your goal. Um, But I think, yeah, going back to the question um, of the role of individual veganism, I guess I see it as a really important, I think, like, personally, I feel it's really important. Like, there's such a strength in me um, and a belief in me that living the way you want to see the world is a really powerful and really radical act. And I think I see that as being completely essential. But I also see it as being limiting because there are a very small percentage of people at this time who are in a position or willing um, to take that step. And even the people, you know, who are persuadable is quite a small number of people. We have this massive segment of the population who aren't even in the kind of realm where they are persuadable. And I think to try and, like, you know, we, sometimes we put so much energy to trying to move people closer and closer to us, which I think like is a worthy goal, but there's so many other things that we can do that will change the situation so that we have more people who are willing to take that step. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I think like right now, like we, whenever we're thinking about individual change, we have to kind of accept that there's structural things that get in the way of that. Um, And right now it's like, you know, in the UK, we talk a lot about, like, subsidies. Um, we talk a lot about how things like, you know, factory farming, intensive agriculture, like, make this industry viable. They make it cheap. They make it accessible. Things like the fast food industry, which mean that, you know, in places where there isn't access to, you know, fresh fruits and fresh vegetables, um, where that that's the only option a lot of people have. So there's these kind of structural things in place that make, you know, a big percentage of our individual kind of outreach completely, you know, like hitting a brick wall. And I feel like, you know, sometimes it is about like addressing and removing those structural things, which then open the door for more people to kind of make the personal change. And then also there's the whole segment of the population who are never going to make that personal change until that's just the way it is. And these are the people who, you know, just either – don't really care are kind of profiting from the industries or people who are just in a position where they cannot think beyond their own like personal survival. Um, so they're just trying to, you know, get by live, and they can't really have that luxury of thinking, you know, more morally or ethically. Um, not to say that there's people who aren't in positions like that who are kind of thinking along these lines. So I think like when we talk about structural change, we just open these massive, like massive doors to bring more and more people in because, you know, when the, the world changes, when things change. So when you you know, go to. McDonald's and it's no longer in business, so you go to um, like you see that the government are you know, shifting subsidies to plant based farming um, rather than animal agriculture. Um, it's creating these changes in the world that just open these doors for more and more people to kind of come through and start to think about their their lives um, and what change they want to see, Um, but then also just kind of actually put the foundations down for what behaviour is then going to be acceptable and normal. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's kind of how I see individual change as being so important and really critical. Um, but also quite limited in its scope and its potential to reach um the kind of people the the amount of people we need for this vision that we have of um, a world without exploitation
2: yeah, and I think that the another i think important thing to keep in mind is, is as as you 've touched on it's not necessarily you know structural or individual change, but obviously both but Obviously, not everyone has to do everything. So, as you say, there's definitely a role for individual veganism, like outreach and that kind of thing. And they don't necessarily have to be advocating for, you know, a plant-based food system. Although, obviously, more individuals will help us kind of push in that direction. And, and equally, um, yeah, that idea of yeah, animal rebellion doesn't have, have to promote individual veganism because other people are doing that. Um, but but they're raising those issues of like a, a plant-based food system and that more uh, structural change. And kind of depending on where we sit along that spectrum. Of kind of yeah it will kind of dictate where the role of individual vegan plays myself when i was more active with animal activism we were very much focused on vegan outreach so it made sense that everyone on those stalls was vegan themselves otherwise it wouldn't Mm. make much sense on a on a stall promoting veganism but i see yeah in terms of more structural activism uh, individual in veganism be less important uh in in that context i guess and even that thing of like getting to a place where everyone's vegan we could also sort of flip that and look at the other way like we want to get a world where these industries don't exist and kind of looking at at looking at the other way so rather than each individual doing it of like these industries being um yeah phased out of existence through government policies and these more structural things as well I just wanted to, um, just before we take a little break with a track in a moment, just sort of touch on some of the problems of a purely individualized focus when it comes to the environment, whether that is around fossil fuels or animal agriculture and the environmental impact that has. Um, I recently heard that it was uh, BP, the the petrol company, who sort of popularized the notion of a, a carbon footprint to sort of, in a way, to let themselves and companies like them off the hook and for us to blame ourselves as individuals and also um yeah meat and dairy companies animal industries also have a big uh, a big carbon footprint along with uh companies like bp as well so um there was a study a while ago by um the Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy and Grain and they look at the planet's 35 largest meat and dairy companies and when taken together, the world's top five meat and dairy corporations are already responsible for more emissions than ExxonMobil, Shell or BP. Um, So as a movement, if we purely focus on individual vegans, we kind of ignore the role of these companies, of governments, etc. So we're going to play a little, not a song, but just a a little video here uh, from the show, Adam ruins everything, Um, and this is from the episode "Going Green." Um, And it's called "The Corporate Conspiracy to Blame You for Their Trash." People are blaming us for the litter problem. Well, I
3: won't stand for it. Here, here! Coca-Cola is tired of making a bunch of garbage and then getting yelled at for making all that garbage. Philip Morris concurs. When you think about it, it's the customers' fault for throwing our garbage away. Dixie Cup agrees. We'll blame the customer. I know a better word for them. Litter bugs. And so, with the help of over 20 companies, they founded the original anti-litter group, Keep America Beautiful. Wait, Keep America Beautiful was founded by litter companies? Yep. These companies actually popularized the term litter bug and shifted the litter blame from themselves onto you. And all of this culminated in Keep America Beautiful's most famous ad, The Crying Indian. No. No, not that beautiful ad. I'm afraid so. The most famous PSA in history was actually a piece of corporate propaganda. And all of this totally worked. Bottle bands were struck down and Americans started blaming ourselves for the litter problem.
2: In that can didn't
3: kill Bessie! I killed Bessie! I'm a litter bug! And today, we're stuck with disposables. And every year, over 100 billion beverage containers end up wasted. Either in landfills, or incinerators, or yeah, just plain littered. Now look, I want to be clear. If you litter, you're a jerk. But these companies threw out an effective recycling system and instead asked us to pick up their trash. And their marketing campaign helped create an entire green culture that blames individuals for pollution rather than the companies making it. That's terrible. Well, from now on I'm going to stop supporting companies that pollute and I'll only buy green products like my hybrid. And pretty soon I'm going electric with a brand new Tesla. Wait, you already have a hybrid, but you're going to buy a brand new electric car? (laughs) That choice can actually hurt the environment. Hurt the environment!
0: Yay!
2: Smartphone Stories is a fun, free workshop for anyone in the community who would like to make a film using just their smartphone. We're coming to the city of
0: Yarra at the Bagunga Nanyin North Fitzroy Library on Monday the 3rd and Monday the 10th of May. You can register for a place at www.smartphonestories.com Proudly supported by Vic Health. A three CR supporter. Welcome
2: back to Freedom of Species. We're speaking with Harley McDonald-Eckersall uh, from Animal Rebellion, talking about um, yeah individual veganism, but also more structural change towards. Um, yeah plant-based food systems as well and along those lines we just heard from a little bit of the show Adam Ruins Everything and this idea of yeah not necessarily rejecting individual change but I guess this idea of purely individual change making it it purely an issue of just individuals reducing their carbon footprint whether that is uh going vegan or uh not driving a car whatever it is um it sort of directs blame away from from big companies and these sort of broader structural issues so i thought that was quite a relevant one with our discussion today and yeah, I wanted to again go back to that episode where sort of building on around um, the levels of support for plant-based diets, I guess philosophically, regardless of uh, sort of um, people's willingness to actually adopt that in practice. But yeah, in that in that. Um in that episode, we spoke about the way in which a very large survey found that about 30% of people around the world supported plant based diets um, or the promotion of plant based diet as a strategy to um, address climate change and yeah actually in the uk it was the second highest so the highest was germany with 44% but the uk wasn't far behind with 43% of people in the uk supporting the promotion of um plant-based diets as a response to um climate change and so i was just wondering that in terms of your activism with animal rebellion have you kind of sensed that quite broad support, like in terms of the reaction for the public? Because that would sort of suggest that, yeah, you know, almost every second person you run into is somewhat supportive of your message, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, I think so. Most people, like the vast, vast majority of volunteers at Animal Rebellion, are, have come from like an animal justice, animal activism kind of background. Um, or they, you know, became vegan and were looking for somewhere to take action. And that's another thing that I wanted to touch on really quickly is that, like, I think another thing that, like, you know, like individual act like outreach does, like, is that it finds those organisers and those activists and those people who are going to take action. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of people I know have kind of ended up taking action because, you know, they were hands a their leaflet or they had a conversation through street outreach. So I think, like, that's something that can't be underestimated as well um because like we need those organizers we need those people who are gonna take action um but I think like we have seen quite broad levels of support um for what we're doing and if not support at least kind of understanding so there's not really like you know you you try and talk about oh you know that animal farming leads to climate crisis there's not really like a wait no I didn't know that like people might not know the numbers. Um, you know, we know that it's at least I a mean, very minimum numbers is like 14% of global greenhouse gas emissions. Um, there's been studies from everywhere from 87%, which, yeah, let's um, to like 50 to like 15 to 18, but 14 seems like the very minimum peer um, reviewed solid number. Um, not, people might not know like that extent. But, I think that is a very general like level of understanding and connectedness between eating animals and the way we farm animals to um the climate crisis and what's happening um I think there is quite a bit of like movement or buzz around like the the ideas of like regenerative farming and stuff like that, so there's still kind of a disconnect i guess between um the question of this like this industry isn't needed this industry you know is kind of should be a thing of the past rather than a thing of the future like people might people kind of look at it I think at least in my experience and go oh yeah that's that's a bad thing that's causing damage um, especially when it comes to like factory farming um, that's something that I don't feel that I don't like I think it's, it's like massive percentage as well people in the UK who are against factory farming But I think the question still becomes, how can it be better, not what else is there? Um, So I think that's something we come across, like, again and again, and especially or particularly within the environmental movement, we seem to come across that, of, like, instead of what's the alternative, like we might think about with, um, yeah, like, alternative energy and things like that, it's how can this industry be better? And that's when, you know, regenerative agriculture comes up. But we have found like surprising levels of if not support, just acceptance in very like surprising places. So for example, last year um during our September rebellion, we shut down a pig slaughterhouse for a whole day. And we were expecting, you know, some backlash and some negative press and you know the typical radical vegan kind of stuff, but what we instead got was a very neutral article in Farmers Weekly and also in, like, a pork magazine talking about the connections between animal farming and the climate crisis and talking about, um, yeah, how the two, uh, well, how animal farming, like, leads to, like, you know, increased greenhouse gas um, and all that. So I think there is a broad level of understanding about the link. Um I think that is as well, which we just we know as animal activists like that is just a level, a big level of discomfort around the way we treat animals. Um, so I think like all of that kind of does set things up for people to understand what we're doing. But I think that is still a massive block, um, which is, you know, we're always facing the block of just speciesism and also the discomfort of the topic. Um, making it a lot harder for people to want to get on board than, say, for fossil fuels um, or, you know, other environmental issues, which are a lot more palatable, I guess. They're a lot less personal. They're a lot less, you know, they're not, they don't seem so intrinsically about ethics and, you know, your choices as a person. Um, So I think, like, that is a massive kind of barrier to encouraging people to support system change on, animal farming because you can never and we never try but you can never try to kind of see it as just an environmental issue because it's always so intrinsically linked to the lives that are being lost like every day. Um and I think like that's that's a really massive thing with animal rebellion that we we try and be the gap. Sorry, we try and bridge the gap. We try and never talk about like animal animals without talking about the climate. We try and never talk about climate without talking about animals. But it does kind of, it means that we are never going to be, and we never wanted to be, but we are never going to be just a climate movement, which where it's easy to kind of talk about, yeah, this is a climate problem and this is a thing that we need to talk about because we're always having our mind that these are lives and these are individuals who are caught up in this. And there's many kind of maybe climate-friendly solutions which are not anti-speciesist or animal-friendly solutions. Um, So, yeah, it's kind of a difficult tightrope to walk at times where we never want to spill too far into just getting people on board with, yeah, this is a climate problem. Um, But we're also trying to kind of walk that line between getting people to get on board with the climate um, side of things and getting people to get on board with this is a a climate issue. This is something we should be talking about when we're talking about the climate crisis, but then also not forgetting um, about the individuals and the lives. And, yeah, um, I guess it's a bit of a tightrope. Um, and I think it's something that we are experiencing the animal movement at the moment of how to walk that line, um, how to avoid objectifying and kind of just forgetting about all the individuals who we're trying to kind of um, fight on behalf of.
2: Yeah, and I think that, um, again, go back to that episode where we're sort of building on from a while ago, I think that is like... Yeah, I think it is a, sort of a pause for thought of how far we have come as a movement, the fact that I wouldn't go as far as we've won the philosophical argument, but we're we're so much closer to that than, you know, when I was active in the early 2000s and, and you know, starting with activism around then. Um, it was sort of that idea of we actually had to convince people philosophically, and we still do have to convince plenty of people, but there's quite a broad, um, broad number of people who see veganism as a positive thing or plant-based diets for environmental reasons, but also for animals reasons as well there's quite a a broad number of Broad um, proportion of people who who view it as a positive thing for animals uh, and then it comes down to uh, barriers to individual veganism in terms of not fitting in with people around them and all, all these kind of barriers but yeah definitely that 's sort of the first part of it <laughs> we've, 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 there has been a lot of progress and then obviously there 's difficult questions about how do we become, how do we make veganism become more widespread for individuals but also how how can we think about other ways to make change beyond the individual as well? As as Animal Rebellion are putting most of their energy into. But I want to touch on that idea of anti-specism within Animal Rebellion. So, um, yeah, you mentioned some people have gone and, and, you know, like yourself, have gone straight from animal activism into Animal Rebellion. Uh, And and in those cases, you'd be bringing in people who are, you know, anti-speciesists already i'm just wondering like maybe people who found find out about animal rebellion through a march or whatever and maybe um get, get attracted to that idea of a plant-based food system maybe for more environmental reasons like you could be a speciesist not care about animals at all um, but from a human perspective if we get rid of animal agriculture it's going to ha- have a significant. Um, benefit in terms of reducing, um, greenhouse gas emissions. And then my grandparents, my grandkids, so will have a better future, et cetera. So I think we definitely can, um, yeah, we probably can support a plant-based food system on environmental grounds without having that anti-speciesist perspective. So yeah. How do you go about, yeah, those kind of people?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think, yeah, we do have, so most people in Annamarabalian, I think there's a couple of different routes, Um, But most of them have come either because yeah they're involved in animal justice and mainly focusing on individual change and then got involved with animal rebellion at some point and just got more and more involved. That's kind of how it seems to happen. You kind of just get more and more involved. Um, And then the other route is that a lot of people were in XR um, and frustrated that they weren't talking about veganism um, and then found their way to animal rebellion and then became sometimes frustrated that we weren't talking about individual veganism, but then, um, yeah, kind of were able to see like about how, why we talk about system change and um, stuff like that. So I do think that it's a tricky kind of thing to walk. And I think like, What it comes down to, and this is something that we've been exploring a lot, is how we model, like how we model our values um, in movements um, and in groups and in organizations. And I think, you know, at Animal Rebellion, we have our DNA, and this is something that everyone who joins Animal Rebellion is expected to go through. And that consists of like plant-based future talk, which talks about, you know, why we want a plant-based food system, um, and that includes bits about um individual animals as well, and then we have our story strategy structure and culture DNA um so it's quite a slog um to do an animal about it and to go through all of that. I don't know the percentage of volunteers who actually have gone through all of that. I'll be honest, but um we like there is a lot of expectation that people who join do embody our principles and values um and that's what I was talking about before, which number one is that we are an anti-species movement. But I think the core of that is that a lot of people don't know what that means. And I would I would argue that a lot of people, even in the animal justice movement, don't know what anti-speciesism is. Um, So I think it is attention. And we have recently uh, me and another person developed an anti-speciesism workshop. And this was off the back, actually, of um, XR Global writing about animal rebellion in their newsletter which has like a massive reach and talking about anti-speciesism and what that means um, and the oppression of animals um so we wanted to provide a space where people who were kind of more on the environmental side of things could learn more about uh, speciesism um, and what that means and why it's so important and critical so we do have spaces like that and workshops like that um but i do think it comes down to like at animal rebellion we We aim to be decentralised. So that means that anyone can take action as long as it, in our name, as long as it aligns with our principles and values. Um, But at the moment, like the way it usually works is that we have teams and there's quite a small group at Animal Rebellion who kind of really hold the DNA and hold the vision. Um, And a lot of what we do goes through that group and I think We have, like, put a lot of effort into making sure, um, you know, people who are kind of in those positions of leadership um, are able and have the understanding and have the knowledge to hold that DNA really strongly. Um, So I'm part of, like, the messaging team, so most – and the actions team um, and and the strategy team. Um, Don't ask me how many teams I'm part of. It's it's not fun. Um, but so a lot of what we do kind of goes through these places where people have done the, you know, learning and the like the knowledge gathering to hold that DNA. Um, and there is a real big culture, which is one of the things I really like about Animal Rebellion, of checking in, where people don't, like they're not doing it for their egos. So they don't just, you know, go out there and do something. Um, they'll really often like check in with their peers with people they work with people they volunteer with and see like what do you think about this and there's been times in the past that you know we've done things which people have like called out as being speciesist or as being you know wrong in some way and we have a real culture of adapting and changing and learning from that so I think we haven't had much of a problem with you know people kind of not accepting the speciesist the anti-speciesist kind of message or value i think it and i think the reason we haven't had too much of a problem with that is because even people who may come in with you know environment at their forefront they you know they've come to animal rebellion and not extinction rebellion for a reason and you know usually it's because they see this gap and they see that there's this massive thing that's not being talked about and it's really hard even i think even when you are you know vegan or vegetarian for environmental reasons it's really hard to not see, you know, why it's important to talk about animals like in that. So I think, like, that's been a big thing of, like, people who come to us are usually already on board. Um, But I think another thing is just, yeah, there's, like, this culture we have of um, asking for advice and asking for support and asking for feedback. And it means that, you know, everything we do has been, thought well most things we do um has been have been thought through and have been discussed um with a number of voices and you know there's been times where like and I I consider myself you know to be quite strong on like anti-speciesism and there's been times when you know I've slipped up as I think we always do and we all do but I, I really trust that there are other people who I work alongside who will say that's you know we're not thinking about animals with that. We shouldn't um maybe like we can think about that another way. So I think it really comes down to trust and also, yeah, leadership and how we have values, but more than that, how we embody them and how we, you know, people embody those values. And then when there are strong leaders who are embodying values um, of anti-speciesism and of justice and all that, then other people will kind of pick up on that. And I think like for me, yeah, I couldn't speak more strongly about the importance of strong leadership um in kind of that kind of situation especially when it's trying to transmit a really important message and yeah
2: yeah and I guess for the uh my dog has jumped on my lap to join this show to talk about uh speciesism but yeah and I guess just in a nutshell for anyone who isn't familiar with that terminology I guess anti-speciesism is talking about rejecting the discrimination against and and devaluation uh devaluation of other animals I guess with a you know sort of parallel to other isms such as racism sexism that kind of um that kind of thing and perhaps that's something we can cover on another show looking into that uh, in more depth but uh we better go to another song Um, this is a really good anti-species song so very appropriate um, and it's just come out in the last month or so Um, it's by Shoreline and Nervous Meat Free Youth and lots of really great lyrics Uh, one that stood out to me is I'm pretty sure you've once seen footage showing factory farming but what's the point in living free range if you're doomed so yeah Harley mentioned that broad opposition to factory farming but obviously particularly from an individual level in terms of individual animals uh we need to object to um yeah free range and supposedly more ethical forms of farming as well
0: Absolutely. i have
3: to improvise to show you that you are
0: a diagnosis of breast cancer or a gynecological cancer. Would you like to support other women as they go through their own cancer experience? Counterpart is a community-based service located in Melbourne. They support women right across Victoria who have been diagnosed with breast or a gynecological cancer. Counterpart peer support volunteers have all had their own cancer experience. They provide a listening ear and emotional and practical support to other women affected by cancer. As a peer support volunteer, you'll receive six weeks training, one day a week. The 2021 Volunteer Intake will begin training in August. Applications close on June 7. To apply or find out more, visit counterpart.org.au forward slash volunteer or call our Resource Centre on 1300 781 500. Counterpart, women supporting women with cancer. A 3CR supporter. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio eight five five am on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio.
2: Welcome back to Freedom of Species, uh, bringing you animal advocacy on 3CR Radical Radio. We are joined by Harley mcdonald Eckersol from Animal Rebellion, who's been talking about uh, yeah, what animal, re- animal Rebellion does and different tactics within the animal movement and connections with environmental movements, etc., And, yeah, one thing I wanted to bring up was right at the start of the show, we spoke about, um, yeah, about Animal Rebellion's policy on um, individual veganism, which actually came up in an Extinction Rebellion newsletter. And so, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that in terms of the connection and and relationship between those two organizations. And I imagine... um, yeah, being featured in the newsletter is probably a good sign that there is some kind of positive connections going on there. So, yeah, do you mind talking a bit about that relationship?
1: Yes, of course. Um, So as I mentioned, like, at the start, like, Animal Rebellion was formed kind of as a sister group to XR. So essentially, yeah, like, XR is this big, sprawling movement, and Animal Rebellion shares, like, the principles and values, um, shares much of the theory of change, um, about how we take action, how we believe we're going to make we're going to make change, um, and also shares the, like XR's demands with slight tweaks to them. So that means we work very much in collaboration with XR, and a lot of what we do, we're a lot smaller than Extinction Rebellion. Um, so we do like, rely a lot on Extinction Rebellion to kind of make the spaces where we then join. So, um, for example, like a big thing that Animal Rebellion does is, you know, rebellions, which are multiple days of disruptive action, um, usually in so far in London, um, but in many other places around the world as well. Um, And, you know, we do kind of take action alongside XR in those kind of things. So there is a strong relationship. Um, The relationship has been tense at times, um, but I think it has been increasingly positive and mutually beneficial, I think. Um, A big... I guess, strategic thing that Animal Rebellion focuses on um, is quite, quite an internal goal, I guess. And that's that we have this, you know, big vision of animal and climate justice. Like, that's what we want to see. Um, we have these, like, milestones, which are how we see us getting there. And one of those big milestones, which Animal Rebellion really formed around, was shifting the environmental movement to recognise and take action on animal agriculture. So we really, when Animal Rebellion was formed, really wanted to see environmental movements, including Extinction Rebellion, um, kind of step out and recognise the link between animal farming and fishing and the climate crisis and then design, you know, campaigns, actions um, around that. So we wanted to see just in the same way that, you know, big environmental groups take action against fossil fuels take action against um, fossil fuel subsidies. Um, they take action against, you know, things like deforestation. We wanted to see them recognising that animal agriculture and animal fishing, i um, sorry, fishing and farming is something that needs action by climate justice groups. So that was a big milestone that we kind of came into this with. And a lot of what we do has been focused on building those connections with Extinction Rebellion. Um, and with the aim that that is somewhere we want to get, where, um, I guess, essentially, I guess, making ourselves obsolete. Um, which as a like personally as an activist, that feels like it's always my meta goal. I want to make myself obsolete. I want to make myself like, yeah. And I think Animal Rebellion kind of has the same meta goal. We want to make it so that we don't have to do what we're doing because Extinction Rebellion and um, Greenpeace and other big environmental groups. Are running those campaigns and are doing that work for us. So the newsletter, um, yeah, that was that was quite a big step for us. Um, and it you know it seems small in some ways if it's just kind of a feature, um, but to see a big environmental group talking about speciesism and talking about why people or groups would take action um, and why taking action on animals on animal issues is relevant and important for the climate crisis. Like that's a big deal for us. And we've also seen other shifts. So Extinction Rebellion has recently released a new strategy, um, which is like open to the public. Um, This is in the UK. And for the first time um, alongside a list of kind of other isms that they're working to combat and they included speciesism. So this is alongside like racism and sexism um, and ableism. So that was another kind of step forward for us and that was like done um from the really hard work of a lot of animal rebels who were in that process so we are seeing these shifts and i think we really want to see more of these shifts and that's kind of like we kind of feel like ourselves of like slowly chipping away and making it undeniable how important this issue is and we do that in many ways but i think one of the ways is yeah just Designing things that want to be part of, people want to be part of and like, for example, we're designing an action right now, which has a lot of extinction of our people involved, not because, you know, they're stopping doing other kinds of, you know, fossil fuel or other kinds of actions, but because they really agree that the target we're going after is a big, um, like destructive target. Um, so I think, like, it's a lot of bridge building um, in Animal Rebellion. Um, and I think, you know, we are seeing success from that and it's really quite exciting and quite positive um to see that and yeah we hope that others i guess can recognize how like that work that we're doing and why it's important alongside the important work that other groups are doing as well Hmm.
2: Yeah, and as you say, it does kind of on the surface feel like a fairly simple thing of just being featured in an email newsletter, but I think it is quite significant and I, I would argue at least from my awareness of environmental movements in Australia of quite a long way ahead, I, I would think it would be unlikely for me to receive an email from a major environmental group in Australia and hear, you know, um, anti-speciesism and those kind of issues being discussed in it. So, yeah, definitely lots of um, good stuff happening over there. Uh, with Animal Rebellion Um, just in the last uh, three or four minutes I just want to hand over to Harley to uh, give you a chance to say anything you wanted to say you haven't got to but also to talk about um, anything else you'd like to talk about in terms of what Animal Rebellion is doing at the moment and also any plugs for Animal Rebellion and how people can get involved and, and those kind of issues or even just perhaps those in Australia how to find out more about what's going on there and perhaps learn from the kind of strategies being used there too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, we have a lot going on right now. Um, we are, we've we been running a, a campaign for the last like, six or so months, maybe a bit more, about, like, plant-based councils, so getting councils to pledge to serve only vegan or vegetarian food, um, which has been going really well, and that's also seeing shifts in primary schools um, and some secondary schools as well, who's serving one or more vegetarian or vegan days per week, which currently is the maximum they can serve, Um, under government guidelines so we've been seeing a lot of success on a local level with that with people kind of starting those conversations Um, on a national level which is where my focus in we have a campaign at the moment um, about fast food um, which has so far led to McDonald's blocking us on Instagram but we're hoping for more hoping for more success than that but you know we we count that as a win so that's been um, subvertising so kind of fake posters being put up um, as well as some Big actions being planned around, you know, fast food shifting to be plant-based, and you know why that's so essential, and all the destruction that these industries like McDonald's and Burger King um, kind of caused. Um, also, the big things we're prepping for at the moment is G7, which um, is happening in Cornwall in the UK in June. So that's going to be um, some days of action in Cornwall. Um, We're also really hoping that places around the world will take part because obviously, like, one thing that's on the agenda is um, climate change, but also biodiversity. And Animal Rebellion, like, really wants to be there because Animal, like, this is a place where a lot of different protest groups go, um, and it's a place where really big decisions are made by government. Um, And it's also, like, a prep for COP at the end of the year, COP26 in Glasgow, which we also are kind of organising for. Um, And Animal's Voices... Are very often not represented in these spaces, in these big decision-making spaces, and I think it's a lot of the time as we think, well, it's not relevant. Um, but I think you know it's always relevant to have animals' voices represented when these people are making you know decisions that affect the whole world. And Australia is a guest at G7 this year, so uh, that's cool. Um, and then yeah, so if people are in the UK by any chance um you know check us out online um if you just search animal rebellion on the website you'll find on the kind of internet you'll find our website um we're also on facebook and twitter and instagram um and yeah there's a volunteer form where people can get involved um there's also connections where people can learn about setting up an international group or getting in touch we have many people in the uk national team who are actually based um internationally um in kind of remote positions. So. Yeah, it'd be great to hear from people, and yeah, it'd be great to hear from people back in Australia anyway. If you want, if you have any questions about Animal Rebellion or what we do, or yeah, just hit me up.
2: Yep. and can can they contact you through the Animal Rebellion website? Is that the easiest way, or um, or, yeah, or through, or through Freedom of Species, and then we can pass it yeah, on. Would that yeah. be better? Yeah, yep.
1: Contact Animal Rebellion's website and ask for Harley. You'll get me. But yep. also through yep. Freedom of Species.
2: Yep. Um, so yeah, if you have any feedback um, for Harley or for anyone else on the team or just for the show generally, you can email us info at freedomofspecies.org. Actually, sorry, I, I, that is the wrong email. Um, I, I will correct that. Sorry, we, we've updated the email because that one's no longer working. It is now freedomofspecies at com. Um, so, freedomofspecies at gmail.com. Uh, and if anyone has any sent any emails to that old one, um, make sure you resend it on to freedomofspecies at gmail.com. Um, also, you can connect with us on social media as well. Um, and yeah, you can find all our shows at 3cr.org.au forward slash freedom of species, as well as on a bunch of podcast apps as well. Um, stay tuned to 3CR if you're listening live. If you listen to the podcast, check out other 3CR shows at 3 ecr.org.au We're going to finish up with a song called Purge the Poison by Marina and this covers destruction of the environment which we've been talking about but also lots of other issues, feminist issues and and lots more so we're going to finish up with that one Um, Nice as always to have you on the show Harley, thanks for joining me
0: Thanks me. All my friends are witches and we in our own sisterhood while society is falling we are quietly reforming